I'm Fern Cotton, and you're listening to Purple Radio. This, this is Purple Radio. Is Purple Radio. Welcome to Mimazine on Air. How does food affect our mood? Hippocrates once said that all disease begins in the gut. It seems he couldn't have been more right. There are increasing amounts of scientific research emerging that highlight the importance of the gut when it comes to mental health, emotional health, physical health and immunity, amongst other things. The gut has even been called the body's second brain, and in recent years, as we have put more and more processed foods and antibiotics into our bodies, we've been unintentionally killing off the good bacteria that lives in our gut and keeps it healthy. We have seen a rise in digestive problems and gut-related illnesses such as IBS, and a growing popularity in fermented foods and drink, all in the name of happy gut health. But how does our gut health, or food, affect our mood? Today I'm joined by Gareth Seal to tell us all about the relationship between our gut and our mind. With over 25 years of experience, Gareth is one of the UK's leading experts in the field of nutrition and naturopathy. Renowned for his work in sports nutrition and travelling worldwide to further his knowledge about the health benefits of optimal nutrition. Gareth has co-founded the book 500 Health Tips and holds regular clinics all over the UK where he specialises in allergies, immune conditions and gut health. Based in the northeast of England, Gareth now runs and owns the Little Green Ethical Store and Cafe in Newcastle. An ex-champion weightlifter, a master in martial arts and competitive badminton player, his clients include top athletes, premiership football clubs and many celebrities. Welcome to the show, Gareth. Good morning and thank you for the welcome. It is lovely to have you. Although I've tried to, as best I can, reel off your credentials, I'm sure I have not done you enough justice. Please can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your nutrition journey, and the store, and cafe in general? Sure. I came to nutrition from my teens. I was a combination of powerlifting, uh, pole vaulting, martial arts, and discovered I was disproportionately strong with winter training for the pole vault. And then the martial arts have been fairly consistent the last four or five decades. Um, but I worked at my local health food shop as a teenager. And wow. that's where I got the interest. And friends, we decided we have a dojo, which is a martial arts training hall, a gym, and a health food shop at some point. Didn't ever happen, but I did end up running Europe's largest health food shop in West London. It's now part of the Whole Foods chain. Um, what great experience. I mean, that has been thrown in the deep end, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, we ma- managed to increase the ton of the best part of a million a year. I mean from relatively small business um, and it's still going strong um, the owner now has a lovely home in Totnes and he's I think enjoying retirement yeah. but from my own at university I met my first vegetarians and then through the martial arts I met some hunt sabs who were also vegan and after talking to them and they said you don't need to kill to eat and that really motivated me I didn't need to and I pretty much gave it up from that day uh, I did eat fish for a while because I thought I needed the protein um, Common myth, I love it. Yeah. Bust that for us. Oh, it is complete nonsense. The vegans getting not enough protein is just silly. And it's one of my biggest frustrations. And I know various other famously, notably a uh, comedian who's very grumpy, uh, Ramesh Ranganathan. Um, and he says he's going to hit the next person who asks him about the protein issue. But to put it into a nutshell, if you're eating enough carbohydrate for your energy requirements, you will be getting enough protein. It's that easy. People say, oh, you have to combine beans with rice or peanut butter with brown bread. And this was all based on a book by, written by an American author who's diet for a small planet. Turns out she was wrong. 
the human body will combine proteins over a 24-hour period. It has to, historically. So you don't need... Because Just think about it. You had some peanuts growing. You aren't going to be going around looking for a wheat field for the next couple of hours to combine the two. Um, it just didn't work that way, and it doesn't work that way. No, vegans don't need to worry about protein, um, unless you're maybe living on chips or cassava or dates, and then maybe it would be an issue. Yeah. Nutrition is a term which is thrown around quite loosely uh, nowadays. <coughs> Please, may you give us your definition of it, and really send that to what is gut health? Well, if we start with the whole vitamins or vitamin, which is it's derived, it's necessary for life. Um, so you get each one of the nutrients and you will get specific disease states relating to specific nutrients. The easy one is vitamin C in scurvy, vitamin D in rickets, uh, B3 in beriberi and these sort of things. So they tailored, well tailored, they found a specific disease relating to a specific deficiency. And so that's what we must make sure we get into the body, those nutrients. And certain things you'll hear the word essential amino acid or essential fatty acid. That means we can't synthesize them. We have to get them from outside the body. So vegans may be thinking, well, where am I going to get my omega-3 from? Well, you can get them from flax oil or hemp oil very, very easily. You don't need to eat fish. And these days, if you do eat fish, you're getting plenty of free plastic. Um, in terms of the nutrition, yeah, something that nourishes the body. I mean, it's the age-old thing of fueling it the best way. Is to eat, a, at the very least, a rainbow a day. It's, it's a common phrase. I stole it from one of my friends who was training children in better eating. If the food is pretty colours, red, purple, green, blue, orange, yellow, you're going to be getting most of the nutrients you need. And that's the benefit for most people of a plant-based diet, is we eat more fruit and veg. Uh, that, that really does nourish. The fast food diet that people drift towards, this is incredibly destructive. Recent research has said six months where there's a regular intake of fast food and you're looking at the body drifting towards an autoimmune disorder. It looks that, oh, wow. that, that, destructive. that destructive. And six months takes longer than a year for the body to recover. So, And for that, those of you who remember Morgan Spurlock's Supersize Me, when he managed to give himself non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in a month on McDonald's, um, his doctor kept on asking how much you drink. He said, no, I'm just doing this documentary. And he said, well, stop as soon as you can. Fortunately, his wife is a vegan nutritionist, and so at the end of the month, he allowed himself to stop eating McDonald's, and she got him back on track. But it looked like his liver was packing up due to the McDonald's diet. I do need to be careful about branding, but yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting mm. you say that that's mm. how he realised or mm. became very aware that his health and his gut health particular wasn't very bad stage. But how do maybe people who aren't on such an extreme diet, how do they know if they have good or bad gut health? One simple thing is how often you have a bowel movement. Um, most people in the UK would consider once a day normal. Uh, historically, it's a bowel movement after each meal. And that's what I would ask people to try and move towards. If there's sufficient fibre in the diet, and more evidence coming out of the WHO recently said that's what's lacking in a lot of people's diet, is fibre. Um, so we really do need to increase our fruit and vegetables. And is that where we can get our fibre from, from the fruit and vegetables? Yeah, I mean, nuts, seeds, legumes, uh, they'll all be beneficial. Um, Flaxseed is amazing. It's a blend of soluble and insoluble fibres. Chia seed has become popular. Um, again, similar blend. And you can now get British chia seeds so we're not depriving South American countries. But yes, I modify the you are what you eat to you are what you fail to eliminate and don't absorb properly. Yeah. You are what you eat, essentially. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's it. Um, we, mechanically, it's worth raising your knees. And I'm a herbalist friend. And 
all her patients get a little stool to put their feet on when they have a bowel movement. I have heard about this. In America, it's a very big thing. People, I'm not sure what it's called, but people are obsessed over these adult potties and yeah. such where you lift your knees and it helps bowel movements. Uh, you can get a little thing from the pound shop that will raise your feet. It's much the cheaper option than one of those very expensive toilets. Yeah, okay, the grease is going to hit the northeast. Yeah. You can tell. And back to that, historically we ate a lot of foods and they provided these short-chain fatty acids which helped the gut flora. And that's the thing. These are drifting out of the diet. And why is that, do you think? People, we are unfortunately very driven to like salt and fat. It's deep in our genes. I mean, I defy anyone, even if they haven't eaten a chip in a year, to walk past a chip shop and not salivate. Uh, it's, It's hardwired. Humans need fats for procreation. So that taste of fat will always be good, I'm afraid. We are driven towards And salty foods, again, taste good, even if they're not doing our heart any good. So trying to get a food into the which tastes good and relying on your taste buds, that's the thing, when you use salt all the time, you tend to lose the subtleties of taste. And adding in spices and things, one, they add a spectrum of nutrients. I mean, coriander is a wonderful antibacterial. We know garlic is antiviral, antibacterial, looks after us in different ways. Turmeric is a wonderful anti-inflammatory. It is ginger, savory, rosemary, all incredibly rich in antioxidants, and they add nice flavours. So food should taste good as well yeah, as looking good. A, quite interesting, yeah. easy swap for swapping out a little bit less right. salt. Yeah. Add some paprika to your sweet yeah. potato instead. Mm. Add some garlic and rosemary to your to your veg. I think that's a really interesting and easy swap people can make. Yeah, and on the subject of garlic, leeks are the world's best prebiotic. So if you enjoy your leeks, really? yeah, garlic and onion are good, but leeks are even better. And not everyone can tolerate the allium, so not everyone does well with garlic, but leeks seem to be tolerated by just about everyone. And we're in the northeast, which is part best part of the world for them to grow. <laughs> and yeah, try to get the prebiotics, because there's a massive confusion. What are prebiotics? What are probiotics? Prebiotics are foods that feed the environment where good bacteria can survive and thrive. Um, bananas are fairly good for people. Artichokes are one of my favourites for this, whether the globe or Jerusalem. They're incredibly good for feeding the right environment. So if you want to try and have a few artichoke hearts at the start of a meal, this will help your digestion. That's really interesting to say that. So what is the importance and the effect of our gut health? As you alluded to in the beginning, 70% of our immune system is probably in the gut. Now with the role and mental health work at University College Cork, and university in UCH, they are combining and they're looking at the role of bacteria in mental health. Australian research recently showed young people with social anxiety were given a broad spectrum bio- probiotic, and by broad spectrum I mean multiple strains. And these were young people who had struggled to meet new people or deal with social settings. They gave them the probiotic for 30 days and then after that they were better able to meet new people and deal with social settings and the researchers were thorough enough to measure the urinary cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and this was radically reduced while they were taking the probiotic. Wow, that is a huge difference. I mean, mm. it's very timely at mm. the moment. As you know, mental health is a big topic of conversation. In the UK, according to mind, approximately one of four people will experience a mental health problem mm. each year. This is not a small-scale problem. This is globally it's sort of an ec- epidemic which is very scary. It's something as simple as nutrition could combat so radically. It's quite exciting. It's certainly something when it has a role. 70% of people with depression will have bowel disorders. So there's a huge correlation. It's not to say you sort out the bowel, the depression will go away. But certainly you can alleviate symptoms. There's no question. 
And it's a wonderful book um, by an Austrian doctor, Gulliander's Gut. Uh, the French title is The Enigma of the Small Intestine. It's the same book. Uh, but she writes really well, very entertainingly. And she also makes a fairly radical point that we used to think most communication in the body goes from the brain to the gut. Only 10% goes from brain to gut. 90% goes from gut to brain. So keep your gut happy and the rest of you will be a lot happier. So your gut really is your second brain. Yes. You're not your leading <laughs> one. Well, there's a guy on uh, TED Talks, Rob Knight, and if you plug in microbes, he'll come up. And he makes the point that the weight of bacteria in our body is greater than the weight of our brain. And there's a very interesting philosophical debate as to which one runs us. Um, because it, not his research, but somebody else has shown there's a bacteria that lives in us. Its only reason for existence is when humans metabolize alcohol. It doesn't want the alcohol, it wants the metabolite. So you might find, yeah, you haven't had a beer or a glass of wine for a few weeks and your little bacteria is going, uh, you need a drink. You need to go and get me a drink. I need the metabolite. So please, would you get down to the pub? Um, That's a good excuse. <laughs> you <never need> <laughs> so yes, they, they really do. And they can regulate our hormones far more effectively than we ever realized. And particularly with appetite. If your gut flora is in good shape, you're less likely to want to overeat. Um, if it's in poor shape, you know, the body will crave out for more. Because they found with the genuinely obese people, they might eat a meal and within an hour, they will be genuinely hungry because all the signals and things have gone wrong and the gut floor is completely out of shape. So improving your gut floor, whether you have a bowl of uh, non-dairy yogurt or kimchi or sauerkraut or miso, depends how you like to start the day. You can get water-based kefirs, um, you can have coconut kefir and just say... A lot of good soy yogurts out there. My personal favorite is Soja, the French one. It's very organic and they're very, very ethical. And hopefully these foods should taste nice. Now, you don't want to go overboard on sauerkraut. A spoon a day is more than enough. A Danish researcher showed that just that, a spoon a day, can improve the beneficial gut flora about 300% over the course of 12 months. Oh, wow, that is a huge, huge it, it really is. A British journalist went to see him and had her stool analysed. And then he said, would you have a spoon of sauerkraut a day for the next few weeks before you come back? She expected to be much more windy and had to admit actually she was less windy. And in three weeks, there was a 30% improvement in her gut flora, just eating a spoon of sauerkraut a day. And listeners don't know what sauerkraut is. <laughs> it's basically fermented pickled cabbage. And you can get it raw from health food shops. You can make your own. And there are a number of websites that are dedicated to fermented foods. And for me, one of the most interesting things with one of these sites is the mothers, and has predominantly been mothers, of autistic children have found their behavior um, is radically improved. Um, I was indirectly involved with the trial with autistic children. They provided a specific strain of bacteria called L. plantarum. And when the children took this probiotic, their bowel function was closer to normal. Their behavior was closer to normal. Again, that correlation, mm. bowel, mood, yeah. or mood, yeah. well-being in general. And fermented food, do you think that is going to be a leading contributor to improving the public society's gut health in general? I mean, there has been a huge increase as we have alluded to. Yeah, I, I hope so. I know one friend reckoned they sorted out their IBS with kombucha. Um, and he said that's the one thing it enabled him to lose weight. And personally, I find kombucha gives me heartburn, but yeah, it suits some people better than others. But it is one of those things, and it's I've got a few friends now are replacing their beer with kombucha, uh, so getting away from the alcohol, but they're still getting that nice flavour. And a few of them do like taste like a almost a flat beer. There's a bit of fizz there, 
and these are simple ways to answer your question yeah i do think it's going to make a big difference how much because again with all of these things it tends to be trends and how much the large population are actually doing this uh, rather than those yeah the educated few and i think that still we're going to struggle with that one um and the strong taste young people stereotypically don't always like strong taste they're definitely acquired taste i used mm. to not be a fan of kimchi mm. to say the least and now i'm absolutely obsessed but again it is an acquired taste it's, it is strong the smell it, they are quite strong smelling which is a trait of most fermented foods so that can put people off i would just say try it and keep trying it because your taste buds do change yeah, and the trick is just a small amount. It really does only need to be small. So not enough to dominate the entire flavour of a dish. I think that's the thing. Or have it a bit of, in, blend it in with salad. That works. You've got a nice crisp crunch then. You can put it with leaves and seeds. Again, broaden the spectrum of nutrient you're getting and enhance your digestion. Historically, we all got our fermented fruit from beer. Um, prior to the sanitization of water, everyone drank beer rather than give you a child cholera because uh, it was a real issue. I mean, small beer is about 1% or less. Um, and hops are antibacterial, so we were all drinking beer across the population, and then they cleaned up the water, so you were able to drink London's water once again. I'm not sure we'll yeah, be going not, back to yeah. serving beer in school, yeah. but we can we can think about that one. Outside of the the direct correlation mm. between your gut mm. health or healthy mm. gut health and a more positive mental health, are there any other significant effects? of having good gut health perhaps with the sports i know uh, you are a keen sportsman yeah i mean i think the best illustration of that has been the irish rugby team and somebody did a lot of work with them and it turned out their gut flora was on average 30 percent better than the general population a combination of exercise and a good diet so the oddest thing i've heard recently these are some weird anecdotes but one was a amateur woman cyclist had a fecal transplant a fecal transplant is where you transfer the bacteria from a healthy individual to normally a non-healthy so they use it for ulcerative colitis and crohn's quite successfully anyway she had a fecal transplant from a male professional cyclist and she started winning um on the negative there was an american woman who was tiny but had severe ulcerative colitis with a lot of blood in the stool and it was ruining her life she had a fecal transplant from her daughter. Within three months, she was seriously overweight. Within four months, she was obese. Her daughter was obese. And I mentioned this guy, Rob Knight, before doing the TED Talks, and he made himself famous from taking bacteria from an overweight woman, giving it to a normal weight mouse, and made the mouse overweight. So it really can play a massive role. And I know certain American companies are looking at Mo Farah thinking, we could sell your bacteria for a lot of money. <laughs> They've definitely caught on something there. Yeah. Couples will often have wildly different bacteria because they had obviously different parents. Mm. And that's where you get your good start in life, assuming a natural delivery. And that is important because C-section children are much more predisposed to autoimmune disorders. And why is that, do you think? Because they didn't pick up the benefits of the bacteria from their mother. I mean, you should be getting a big hit of bacteria as you go through the birth channel. And that's what starts you off in life. And children... Mothers who take a probiotic for the last trimester, the child is less likely to get dermatitis, eczema, colic, will have a much healthier immune system, will be more dairy tolerant. And as a bonus for mothers, she's less likely to get a hospital-acquired infection. So everyone wins. So literally starting life yeah. Yeah. with good bacteria. And uh, again, Rob Knight uses his own family as an example. His daughter was born by emergency C-section. 
and his wife covered the child in her vaginal secretions to replicate a natural birth. And now they have a very healthy teenager. So he can't say definitely because it's an anic case study one. Um, they use another colleague's daughter from birth showing how her bacterial development grows and how it moves around the body and where you start with the obviously the vaginal bacteria but then you get fecal bacteria and gut and skin because that's the thing we forget our skin are covered in bacteria absolutely covered and so they should be it's not something to be worried about they're doing awful good things for you all the time not least of which is keeping your skin free of infection and nice and elastic so don't automatically get rid of the bacteria i think parents now spray after their children sanitizing and there's no question this is leading to more allergies and immune responses we're designed to be pushed in the mud by our siblings and <laughs> licked by pets it's a much healthier way to grow up you're so right there does seem to be a fear of bacteria rooting mm. from when we're really little oh don't mm. touch that don't mm. eat that don't wash your hands we actually forget like you said we do need that bacteria there are different types of bacteria that we need good bacteria but also protect ourselves from our immune system fighting against the bad bacteria we encounter yeah it's so true if your gut flora in good shape they produce hydrogen peroxide which is a very powerful antibacterial they produce um bactericides themselves so they are fighting bacteria all the way so if you're getting aggressive bacteria coming into your body your community of bacteria should be there to fight them but if you feed the bacteria in your gut sugar alcohol stress I'm afraid you won't have the bacteria you want. You actually leave yourself more predisposed to disease. Uh, so they really are trying to look after you, but we can feed them the wrong things. Going back to our earlier points of eating the right foods or just eating a lovely variety of foods, you should be feeding in good shape and enjoying your food. I think this is really important. If people feel guilty about a food, I'm afraid it won't do them any good at all because um, your mind then gets involved. But if you think, right, this is my occasional treat, I'm really going to enjoy this, it won't do any harm. I love that. Moderation mm -hmm. and enjoy your food. Again, it is a gift. I think people forget food not only nourishes your body, but also your mind. It really is a huge part of holistic health mm. as well. And young women who are drawn to chocolate and carbohydrate, and there's a plenty of good research showing that carbohydrate can actually ease the discomfort of PMS. Why drawn to chocolate? Well, there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, young, women, <laughs> yeah. young women who stereotypically get premenstrual symptoms whether it's pain whether it's mood change whether it's cramping um, will be low in manganese iron zinc magnesium and b vitamins and guess what chocolate's rich in all the above so you are very naturally drawn to chocolate it also replaces a partner to give you a hug if there's not one handy <laughs> perhaps we can call chocolate a happy food are there any other foods which can be deemed as leading the way to make our gut happy well you might not think it'll make your gut happy but we'll lift the mood uh, chilies um as hot as you can stand wow. they will re they release endorphins which lifts us you can go for a five mile run you can do an hour's wait you can go to a zumba class or you can chew on a chili um so it depends on how much time you've got but yes your mouth might be swearing at you but honestly your mood will lift it's just the endorphins again are, are phenomenal yes you may feel it a bit further down but it's not actually doing any harm it is just uncomfortable I mean, I love the spicy curry, but I think some of my friends would take a little bit more convincing and maybe opt for the Zumba class instead. Well, that's it. And again, turmeric is a great food for both anti-inflammatory and good for gut flora. So if you can get the fresh root and grate it like you would ginger, that can enhance both digestion and flavour of the food. Add black pepper and it really activates the turmeric. I mean, we've seen that, uh, that combination quite a lot recently. It's been more prominent in golden lattes. 
which is turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, mm. and caramel pepper. Delicious and basically a hug in a mug for your gut. Yes, yes, no, that would be fair. And if you wanted to really go the whole hog, you could put in a spoon of flax or chia seeds. And this would supply a blend of soluble and insoluble fibres. The soluble gives stool the bulk. The insoluble provide the peristaltic motion in the bowel. So you want both. Because sadly, the UK leads Europe in constipation. Uh, and we spend more money on laxatives. We don't get enough exercise. We don't drink enough fluids. And we don't have enough fibre. That's so interesting you say that, not enough fluids. What effects do... I am a coffee addict, I will admit. What effect does caffeine, and you mentioned stress... What do they have on that? Caffeine gets a bad press. Um, it's not as bad as it's painted. But I will never forget an Indian doctor who not only trained in Vedic medicine, but he was fully qualified in Western medicine. His opening, in, when he was lecturing to people in America, was, you lot put the coffee in the wrong end. I'm going to leave you that thought. <laughs> and for the future, we've said about IBS and intolerances mm. and society's inability to, to process foods correctly, what do you think is, is going to change, if anything? One of the simple things we need to do is eat more slowly. It really is so basic. American research show people who double their eating time lost weight, people who quadruple their eating time lost more weight. It should be a social thing. We've gone away from eating with friends and family. We eat for fuel, so we can get back to emailing, get to a project, mm. If you're a care worker, you have no time allocated for lunch. If you work for the NHS, you you have a nominal 30 minutes, but it works out near 15. If you're an office worker, you get a sandwich thrown over your shoulder and get told to get on with it because everyone's watching deadlines. But it doesn't help us digest anything. In Vedic medicine, they even say you shouldn't read a newspaper, you shouldn't watch the telly, just focus on the food. Really enjoy the food. Easier said than done. Um, but yeah, if, if we could, we'd all find our digestion a lot better. Colleagues in the States who run a lot of blood tests get people going back to them saying, I've avoided everything you told me to avoid, but I've still got digestive issues. They then sit and watch them eat, and they're all eating too quickly. Just remind yourself, the stomach has no teeth. It needs help. That's such a great image in my head right now, well, stomach trying to chew our food without any teeth, but so true. Enjoy our food, actually focus on it, and it is a social occasion. Food is there to be celebrated mm. with loved ones, friends people around us so trying away from your desk and enjoy your food focusing on it and put the phone down we've mentioned lifestyle adjustments but is there a certain diet which has been shown to help i've mentioned more plants in general anything yeah it's certainly plant-based diet sweeping statements now because they've had quite a few years about 50 years of looking at the seventh-day adventists who aren't entirely vegan um but the majority are um so when you're looking at evidence for plant-based, because epidemiological studies, it's very difficult because there are so many factors in people's diets and lifestyles. So here's been a concentrated group, and they've been, a, and statistically, the lower risk of cancers of all forms, heart disease, raised cholesterol. I mean, not a massive increase in life, but a better quality life. Because uh, I think the NHS spends something like ninety percent of the individual's bill in their last year of life. Wow. Um, so yeah, try to keep yourself healthier longer. And yeah, that's really the plant-based friend in the States, uh, sorry, Canada, apologies. Um, he's an A&E doctor and he says he can reverse all his type 2 patients with a plant-based diet. That is a bold statement. Um, and I've seen that the research is pretty good. 
you can regulate your blood sugars in about six weeks on a plant-based diet. That is if you're not just living on dates and mango and <laughs> dried fruit. Uh, but yeah, if you're actually eating real food. Yeah. So I think the takeaway from that would just increase your fruit and veg. Mm. Starting point, as you said, fiber is essential for good health. Yeah, I remember giving a talk here at Durham, um, and it was on behalf of the vegan society. At the end of it, a professional basketball player came up to me and he essentially said, don't give a damn about the animals, but if I'm hearing you correctly, I need to eat more fruit and vegetables. And I said, well, that's your takeaway message, yes. <laughs> One way to look at it. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. I've learned so much about food, periods, <laughs> everything, gut health in general. How do you feel about finishing with a quick fire round? Sure. This is Quick Fire with Gary. What is your go-to snack? will be nuts, yes. I'm afraid it does tend to be salted, but I have congenitally low blood pressure in my family, so I can get away with a bit of salt. Sauerkraut or kimchi? Kimchi. Any day of the week? Any day. I like the chilli, I like the ginger, I like the spread of flavours. I just want to note there that the Little Green Cafe does unbelievable mm. kimchi pancakes. So. And we make our own kimchi now, just for, you can take home. Go get some. What is the one thing you cannot live without in your kitchen? A very sharp knife. <laughs> uh, no, I'm afraid I'm very fond of my knives. In terms of ingredients, um, probably lentils, because uh, I do use those in so many dishes, whether it's Thai food or it's Indian or yeah, it's somewhere in between. And also they're great for shepherd's pie. And what is your favourite nutri fact? This is a little broad. It's not a single fact, but purple foods in general will protect you against cataracts, vascular conditions. They're anti-inflammatory. I do try. <laughs> We're on purple radio. It's great. Um, yeah, try and eat include something purple every day. The, the compounds are called bioflavonoids. There's a longer name for them, oligomic proanthocyanidins, but it's in the color. Get something purple into you every day and your skin will thank you, your eyes will thank you, your digestion will thank you. So try and eat something purple. Savory, as in red cabbage or uh, purple sprouting broccoli or pomegranates or cherries or prunes, they're all wonderful. Love that. Penultimate question, what feeds your soul? I think good food and good friends perhaps should be the other way around. Um, and then lastly for me would be catching a wave, but surfing. And final question, what is your death row dinner? Starter, main and dessert? Artichokes, globe artichoke with uh, vegan mayo. Yum. Main course would be a Thai curry. And then dessert would be vegan cheesecake with sea buckthorn because uh, it gives a lovely sour hit. Um, yeah, chocolate and sea buckthorn cheesecake. That sounds delicious. You have definitely thought about that before. That was extremely quick. I do like my food. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Gareth. Again, it's been a pleasure to have you and so informative. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for the questions.